right, we're back. How is everyone doing? I hope everyone's holding up well. Um, okay, so those who don't know, this is the Through Our Eyes podcast. Uh, this is where we highlight marginalized content creators um, who have experience with with um, various um, uh, difficulties, issues, um, me medical or or um, uh, whether that be um, uh, gender or or sexuality or uh, um, uh, being BIPOC. Um, we will have the alerts off because we don't want to be interrupted while uh, we're doing our our thing. Um, and uh, if you wish to submit a question um, for for the the interviewee, um, there is a channel points redemption for you to submit questions that we will ask towards the end. Okay, but you may ask, where on earth did this uh, um, idea come from? Arthuras. Would you like to introduce yourself and the, the, the reason that this even exists? Yes. Hello, I'm Arthramus. Uh, I am the creator of the Through Our Eyes stream series, which is coming back this year after a bit of a hiatus due to work. Uh, potentially next month, we're going to be looking to run another stream discussing uh, health and chronic illness. Uh, essentially, the Through Our Eyes streams and by extension podcast are sort of events where we get together with marginalized creators being marginalized creators ourselves and try to speak very plainly, very frankly, and answer some of those awkward questions that you don't generally want to ask, but you want to know the answers to, because it's safe enough for us to talk amongst ourselves and share lived experiences. So yes, that's, uh, that's where it came from. It's been running for over a year now. We've had six or seven events so far, and raised, I think, nearly 5,000 for charity with them, which has been excellent. And then, uh, yes, we're going we're gonna to be continuing on with some more this year with some more charity fundraisers as well. And what we found after the first one of those uh, was that we didn't get enough time, really, to highlight um, individual stories. Um, it, it, it was all because it was a, a larger group. We'd have a topic, but we'd always feel like we needed more time. So that's where the podcast came from, is to highlight individual stories, get a little bit deeper, a bit more personal, uh, um, and uh, get get much more of an insight into, into those stories um, that uh, we were missing out on. So that's where we are now. And mm -hmm. uh, we've been doing this for, for a year. and We have. Damn. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's such a long time. I so many things. So many things and so many wonderful people we've spoken to. It has. And so without any further ado, um, today, do you, you like to introduce yourself? We have. Hi, I'm Kami Anya. You can call me Kami or Anya. Um, I'm, let's see, queer. Aero ace, non-binary, neurodivergent, chronically ill, disabled streamer, and academic. I have um, more I could put in there, but <laughs> could, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good summary. Could we also get shout-outs oh. for both Arthramus and yes. and Cami, please? So that um... and uh, yeah. and my pronouns are they them. 
Awesome, awesome. And what is it that uh, brought you to us today? Well, I've done a number of the panels uh, for uh, Through Our Eyes, but uh, I just gave a rundown of my identities. I marginalize in multiple ways. And some of the ways are kind of separate. Some of the ways definitely interact. Um, and it's also MS Awareness Month. So it's a really good month to talk about having MS um, on top of all the things and how all of that plays together. And my mind just blanked, but <laughs> did you tell us where people can find you other than no, Twitch? I didn't. Uh, so I'm Kamianya on Twitch. I do a lot of variety streams. Uh, lots of I'm primarily an indie game streamer, but I also do makeup and educational and academic streams. Uh, off of Twitch, you can find me on Twitter as Kamianya1, with the number one. Um, <laughs> And uh, technically, I'm in a few other places, but I really don't use them at all, so it's not worth. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, we will now get into a few more directed questions, and uh, then at about seven thirty, we'll get into audience questions. But feel free to submit questions before that point if you have anything that comes up from from our discussions. So, um, first question is, um, give us the lowdown of your story. Um, where, what, what has started? When did it start? What, tell us, tell us the, the, the down low of, of... did you spawn? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of pieces because of, again, these interplays. Um, so I realized I was queer in 10th grade. When I dreamed about introducing a girl as my girlfriend, um, <laughs> which was very odd because I had no interest in that girl whatsoever, but it made me stop and think uh, and realize at that time I was just going bye-bye. Um, and I was actually a horseback rider from age 7 to 21 throughout college. So my legs were very strong. Um, well, comparatively. They still weren't as strong as supposedly they should have been for a horseback rider. But we didn't really realize that yet. Um, around the same time, I was figuring through college, I got to figure out a bunch of things, including being polyamorous, identifying more with queer uh, as my gender label. Um, and then disability wise, I stopped horseback riding. And over the years, my legs got a little bit weaker. And then I started having major pain. And my doctor got me to PT, and we f took a long time to the point where my legs got so bad, they thought we had a, uh, I have lost track of what the thing is, Men a meniscus tear, which mm. is pretty bad. Um, and, you know, I got the CT scan, and they're like, oh, nope, maybe you should start trying PT and taking some antibiotics. And I actually cried, because we had been doing that for nearly a year, and it was getting worse, not better. Um, and I went back to my PT, and she's like, well, I had an idea, and presses on the side of my leg, and I go, ow. So we had discovered is I have loose ligaments in my knees, which means that my legs need to be about twice as strong as an, you know, abled person for them to act abled. Um, 
so while I was horseback riding, I, you know, I didn't know because they were very strong, except that I had things that like the instructor would be like, well, you can't clear, you clearly can't be pushing with all of your weight or the horse would be doing this thing. So some of it made sense in retrospect. Um, and then it turned out that I have tight IT bands and the two together kind of cause hell. Um, that's one set. Uh, neurodivergence, uh, we discovered in fifth or sixth grade that I'm ADHD. I have the inattentive type. Um, and then late, like right after college is when I put some stuff together and realized I have anxiety. Didn't get diagnosed till my late 20s. A lot happened in my late 20s, early 30s. Um, this is, so like, this is all pieces that came over a lot of time. Um, IBS which has also been interplaying with all of it, because especially the health stuff, it all interplays together. Uh, we figured out when I was 13, and it kind of comes and goes, and most of the time it's just annoying. Recently, it's it's been disrupting the fact that I literally just this morning called, and I finally gave in and got a new gastroenterologist after my first experience a few years ago was really, really bad. Um, okay. So let's see. That's the IBS, the mental stuff. We're into my 20s, yes. Okay. <laughs> a lot of things, like I said. Um, Mid-20s, I started my dissertation. And because of the route it took, it ended up being on non-binary gender presentation. And partway through, I started really identifying with some of the stuff and started really feeling like, okay, I'm not quite cis. What's going on? My definition of women and society's definition of women don't actually meet. Um, and I was using, trying out different things, and someone said, you know, you describe yourself like a bunch of my non-binary friends. And I tried out the term, and it felt right. It was just this moment of pure gender euphoria. Um, and over, it took a while to switch over to they, them pronouns. Um, and outside of certain spaces, I still do use she more for convenience. And uh, because people look at someone who's very femme and just assume. And... I'm also a teacher in a way that I, I can't be out at work because I teach nationwide. And for the sake of the students, I know that there's a lot of parents who wouldn't be okay with having a non-binary queer teacher. Um, and so I'm an, a, you know, with ADHD and anxiety, I can be open about those and talk uh, with parents for kids who have those. And that's huge. Um, and so those are the parts that I deal with as a teacher, but I have, do have to hide those pieces, which really sucks. Um, but so I figured that out in about my late twenties, around the same time, I finally saw a therapist and got on meds for anxiety and it took me a good year before I actually talked about it because of the stigma, despite having been on meds for ADHD for forever. Um, it still took me a while, which is part of why I'm really loud about being on med anxiety meds because they changed my life. And even so I, I couldn't, didn't want to talk about it for a while. And I think that you know, it shouldn't be taboo. It shouldn't be stigmatized. It shouldn't have taken me till my late 20s to get on meds for it because of that. <sighs> so let's see. Um, around the same time, also, I started figuring out that I, I'd been figuring out somewhere that was somewhere on the A spectrum. Um, <laughs> early 30s, I was at a convention and I went to an ACE meetup and someone gave me the term lithosexual, which basically means that you are not attracted when people are attracted back uh, sexually. That kind of ends in sexual attraction. And it, some pieces slid into gear because I've often called myself hypothetically sexual. So ace 
came then and I had been trying to also figure out something was weird romantically and I'm like I feel like I'm somewhere on the arrow spectrum I don't know what and actually it was a stream where someone brought up the term qua romantic aka WTF romantic <laughs> uh, which basically is um, platonic and romantic to me all kind of twined together and I'm a relationship anarchist anyway as I've realized I'm uh, college I figured out polyamory this was later just pretty much all relationships are at a one-to-one -one with me they don't really get ranked with everything else platonic and familial and romantic and I don't really know romantic versus platonic love in some ways and it's just all a big ball of wibbly wobbly um and so that was when I finally started feeling comfortable saying yes I'm ace yes I'm aerospec was when I had those terms um I'm a person who I like labels because they help me go guess this is a thing. No, it's not just me. Um, mm. I'm very much a label yourself. Do not put labels on someone else. But if someone gives you labels, use them person. Um, and if you find labels useful, great. And if you don't find labels useful, great. <laughs> but for me, they help me a lot. Um, so here we've got at this point, yeah, gender... The gender has been mostly figured out. Sexuality mostly figured out. Most of my disability stuff wasn't comfortable using the term disabled for myself because um, while I use a cane to walk, I had a placard for my car for years since pretty much uh, since my late 20s. Um, I've been needing the cane and we figured out what was going on with my legs. But I never really felt like I had to count spoons. I had to be careful about my leg use. You know, if I overdid it one day, it would be harder to move around the next. But I could keep going mentally, and I had energy, and I could get shit done. Um, and then September 2020, I started to lose vision in my left eye. Things went blurry. Uh, think take a pink piece of cling wrap and put it over your eye. That's the best way I have to describe it. Areas were, like, extra blurry, and di everything was a bit dim. Um, and by the time I saw someone about it, because at first um, I thought it was a sinus infection, which I get chronically, yay, uh, at that, and in fact, I had one at the same time that I noticed the eye, so I thought that's what it was. So about a week later, the sinus infection was going away, the eye was getting worse, I got to the right, like, an emergency room specifically for eye stuff. And by that point, my vision, with glasses on, was 320 in my left eye. Really, really bad. Mm. We, they tested me. We got to the MRIs, figured out it was inflammation of the ocular nerve. Um, and they're like, you know what? This could be an MS sign. Probably not. My neuro-ophthalmologist, who they had given me and was working through it, was like, eh, I don't see anything to be worried about in your MRIs. Again, we're going to send you to someone just in case. You're fine. But we want to be sure. Well, it turns out it was a good thing because the neurologists take a look at those exact same MRIs and went, this is MS typical. Um, and, uh, so basically from September, and let me be clear, MS diagnoses often take years. So the fact that first sign in October, diagnosis by December is like unheard of. Um, and then my insurance got into play and was like, oh, they're outside network. You have to switch neurologists and find a different infusion site than she was going to send you to. Um, during which time I did have a relapse. Um, started to lose vision in my right eye. Luckily, this time I knew what was going on. Got right back to the same place that I now knew existed. They tested and were like, yep, same thing, other eye. Got in much quicker. It was nowhere near as bad, at least. 
Um, and uh, February or March? February, I finally saw a new neurologist. By March, I was on medication. Since then, I pretty much held steady. Uh, and if I'm very, very lucky, I will hold steady with my MS for the rest of my life. Um, most likely, I will have relapses here and there. But it was enough to take my whole body and kind of take it down a notch to give me fatigue, to make it so like, um, I started being like, yes, I do have chronic pain. I, I used to live my life around a 0.5 to a one, not much, nothing that I really paid attention to, except for when it was bad. Now I live my life somewhere around a one to a three, you know, enough of a shift to go, okay, I had it before. I didn't admit it by to myself, but I had it before, but now I am definitely disabled. Now I am definitely chronically ill have chronic pain um and so over the past year and a half has been figuring all that out and working through uh really acknowledging what it means to be disabled and chronically ill especially within the first you know two years of it and all the changes like you know not having the energy to keep going when i'm used to it having to be okay with not being okay when i was always the one that people would lean on um having to figure out where my energy levels and and stuff um just all of that and so those are all the pieces to take me to that set and then on top of it all like i'm also deal with being jewish and all the stuff that comes with that but um that actually ties in the least of everything with all of this it's a whole different set of marginalization issues i can talk at length about but it doesn't actually tie in the same way, partly because I am willing to do uh, medical stuff on Shabbos as needed. Um, <clears throat> so it doesn't rule Friday night and Saturdays out when I have to get stuff done. Mm. Um, so I think that's the story of all of those pieces in a nutshell <laughs> to just at least set it all up. All right. Well, very, thank you. very well explained. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, usually, uh, from from experience uh, of uh, uh, both uh, uh, Paige and I um, having uh, um, similar levels of just throw a dart and pick a ailment, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then forget the other six. So <laughs> we're, we're used to the, the the chaos that usually is trying to regale a full life's worth of experiences and stories so yeah. thank you well, for, for taking the time that, to do that i mean not only was i doing some of that just yesterday because i did a, a multi-hour stream i think it was 14 by the end uh yeah. <laughs> to uh stream to end ms which is something i'm doing all month along with other people um as one of the multiple things i'm doing this month for charity um i'm also like I am an educator. I'm an academic. I've had to talk about certain elements in front of people multiple times. So at least I have a the having to go through things like this. Typically it's not the whole piece, it's pieces of it, but it means I've done each of these more often I think than some people. <laughs> Just Yeah, I'm I'm an academic an and educator. I still can't bloody well uh, um <laughs> Get, get my words out correctly in, no, in order. Me? <laughs> so. I, have, I have a words emote for a reason. <laughs> I have a c command that will do the sound command. What's wrong with your words today? 
Uh, when I'm, I'm very good at being on at times. So if I'm in certain modes, especially if I'm kind of in an academic or a teacher mode, I'm good at using that. I'm being on the second I'm out of that. It's like, you should, <laughs> I cannot word as well when I stream as I do when I'm like here <laughs> or as a teacher. <laughs> okay. Right. So. I've got very generalized questions yeah. because I I, yeah. I I knew going in that there was going to be a lot to unpack. Um yeah. and I wanted to give you the freedom to concentrate on on what you wish to talk about um as much as possible. So um our next one is describe to us what it feels like. What challenges do you face? How has it affected your life physically, emotionally, and socially? All right. So I have mostly been very lucky in terms of support in my life because while I've, you know, had to, in a sense, come out multiple ways to my parents, they have been behind me 100% of the way. Um, so I'm very lucky in that I have never had to go through one of these pieces being unsupported. Um, I've had plenty of fights about, you know, not non-binary and such, and all of those things. Um, but at least in that sense, I've managed to find community, um, and I know that, especially when it comes to support and familial support, I am very lucky. Um, but I mentioned not being able to be out at work, for instance, and this is in multiple ways. Um, so... I, in gaming spaces specifically, and in Twitch, and in certain areas, I'm very strict on they, them, because in most of my life, I can't be. And I need my places that I can be fully non-binary and be very strict on it, because everywhere else in my life, and this includes in a lot of medical stuff. Um, and so when I'm getting going for my infusion, because once a month I have to go, I get an IV in my arm for an hour. Uh, I think I'm at the point where now I can just, I think, yeah, as of this month, I get to go and leave immediately after it's done and I don't have to sit around and have them observe me anymore. Um, but, you know, I'm very used to being called sweetie and hun and, and very, very feminine things by the nurse. And it's just, I don't have the energy when I'm going for my infusion. Um, especially because as long as I have these other spaces, I don't get as much dysphoria. It's more like... By the end of it, I'm kind of, like, grinding teeth. Um, same thing when teaching. Finishing my PhD was so huge because I was able to stop calling myself Ms. to my students and be like, title of address is, Ms. is doctor. <laughs> doctor. Non-gendered. I was, couldn't use mix. I wanted to use mix. Uh, and now yet, I'm just people still find a way to oh, yeah. not address you by the title. Oh, gosh, yes. Of all the time. Especially because parents are often, yeah. <laughs> doctors oftentimes aren't, uh, doctors, parents oftentimes aren't there when I introduce myself to students. Plus, of course, students forget because they're not used to it. Um, so the number of misses I get, especially in emails, misses last name, um, huge. The funniest to me was when I got a mister and I was like, you know what? I'm okay with that, huh? <laughs> um, I'll take it. My, my first name mm -hmm. is decently rare and uh the only other like i've met 
a woman by my first name, and there was a MasterChef consensant by my first name in one of the seasons. I'm not going to get more specific than that, but it was a man. Um, So my name, as it turns out, I hated my name when I was younger, but now I'm like, yes, it's like gender neutral. Nobody knows what gender I am by just saying saying my name. Um, So that at least has been a bonus until parents see me and then assume. Because teachers are all married, aren't they? (sighs) But that's another... I've I've had to remind students occasionally I'm not married. but so um, medically, especially with the doctors I had before I figured out being non-binary and kind of transitioned socially, um, it's been, of course, you know, anytime I deal with that, I know that I'm in for being misgendered, even a really good doctor who's trying hard. Um, my gynecologist, my new gynecologist, because I'm now in a system that's known for being fairly trans-friendly. And my gynecologist checked my pronouns, checked my dysphoria triggers, because I mentioned... Um, so all my dysphoria is around the idea of reproduction. I, that, that should not be possible, but I know technically it is, and that's wrong. Um, so t- talking about pregnancy when um, associated my, with myself um, is wrong. Talking about pregnancy in general, whatever. Uh, but she like we, that, we got into compta- the topic of pregnancy, I forget why. Um, and she checked in with me, and I'm like, yeah, no, we're talking about other people, not me, we're good. Um, I think we were talking about endometriosis, potentially. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense then. Like, she was amazing, and she still slipped up and, and used she a couple times, and I don't think she noticed, and I just was so blown away by everything else, I don't think I even called her on it. You know, um, I don't think I've put specifically on some of her, my neurologist. Um, I live in a state where you can put X on your license. And actually, this is where the Jewish comes in, because I think a piece of it is generational trauma. I cannot get myself past the fear of putting X on my license. I, I cannot get my parents self on the fear of othering myself on a document like that. Um, and I hate that I can't get past it. But also, I'm very aware that, um, like, my roommates both have it, and they are consistently coming across issues where the rest of the paperwork doesn't match because Massachusetts has an X for your license, but doesn't have it for health insurance yet. Doesn't have it for unemployment. Doesn't have it for uh, like the financial assistance things. A bunch of medical places don't have it. So it's, um, then you get the extra issue of the, what do you do when now your ID and the paperwork you're doing don't actually match because they literally can't match. Um, I, we're still figuring those answers out. Um, mm. and so for me, I have F on everything because I just, I, I can't get past that. I want to, and I can't. Um, but so that's the thing that I always have to decide, am I bringing it up? And as I'm dealing with consistently new doctors, I made two more appointments literally this morning, one for an allergist, one for a gastroenterologist, cause yay, IBS being worse. Um, I have a PT, I have, and this is the other thing, is that all of my stuff interplays, so that I, as I need another doctor, I often need, you know, as another symptom comes, I need another specialist. Um, and everything makes everything worse, because stress, for instance, makes my IBS a lot worse. Um, and, uh, IBS being bad means I don't sleep well, 
which means my pain is worse everywhere, which means my stress is worse. Which means like, I mean, it's this terrible loop. And then oftentimes, you know, I'm dealing with a new doctor again. I'm biting my tongue and getting ready for the misgendering. I'm ready for the, you know, the doctor who, again, my last doctor, who um, I don't have any more more because he left the system and I got someone new. Um, but um, my last doctor ended up asking a bunch of questions. You know, you always get the, who are you dating? Who are you seeing? Because of sexual health. And was like, oh, I, you know, I'm dating these people. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> and basically, you know, what's their biological gender questions? I'm like, why do you need to know? And he's like, well, I need to know. That. I'm like, okay, you can ask me if I'm having penetrative sex, first of all. You could ask it in certain ways without getting at gender. Especially, like, if I were to answer, you know, uh, Let's say I'm dating a trans woman. It doesn't matter what gender they were assigned at birth. Partly because, you know, I'm going to just say woman, first of all, because I'm dating a woman. But, you know, surgery may or may not have happened. It doesn't change things. If you're worried about am I having penetrative sex, ask that question. Because the answer is no, I'm not because I'm AIDS. It doesn't actually matter the gender of who I'm seeing anyways, because I'm just not having sex. Mm. <laughs> like... That's not. That's a whole different thing of the getting. Sometimes people pass the fact that yes, I have multiple partners. No, I'm not having sex with any of them. Yes, I'm telling the truth. No, really, I'm telling the truth. I'm asexual. Yes. Oh, yeah. why did you get your tubes tied then? Well, for a number of reasons, including dysphoria. God, I'm like I can go on a whole nother rant about how lucky I am that my gynecologist was willing to. Uh, refer me to a different gynecologist who would tie tubes because they wouldn't tie tubes under 35 and they would never do a hysterectomy ever. <laughs> and they were willing to refer to me to someone who would at least do one. I, I don't actually know what, um, I decided hysterectomy was more than I was up for in terms of healing, in terms of time, in terms of risk. Um, and while it was more what would have, was fully what was right, gender-wise, tying with everything involved, I, I wanted that uh, that choice anyway. So I'm not sure what would have happened if I had been like, nope, want the whole thing. I don't know. I It's quite possible I would have been turned down. And this was in my 30s at this point. Um, 32, I think? Not that long ago. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I had asked before 30, it would not have happened. Like, that. the whole, uh, again, I have so many rants on medical care about, you know, feminine stuff. Which... Yeah, no, I can definitely. Um... <laughs> yeah. 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 Um... We can go into that one for hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, most many of these things I can really go into for hours. It's just the all of the things interplay when it comes to stress level, things that up stress levels, because having to misgender myself is going to up my nervousness, it's going to up my stress. If I'm deciding not to, if I'm going to a new doctor, I saw a new doctor Tuesday, and there was that level of, all right, I'm already going to him with the paperwork that I put myself down as non-binary and they, them, fingers crossed, especially because this doctor said he, uh, on the list of taking new patients or not taking new patients, his specifically said taking new trans patients. Um, and I, I ended up asking about it because, again, the network supposedly is really good for trans people in general. Um, and he's like, you know, I know that trans people have enough trouble getting medical care. 
And so I want to make sure that even when technically I should be full up, I'm still available for the people who, you know, really need it. And mm. I was like, okay, cool. I feel really good with this guy. That's very cool to hear. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I was really curious because that was could have been a really good sign or a really bad sign because, of course, mm -hmm. you get the specialists who are, you know, want to be specialists because it's so special and so, you know, uh, look what a good ally I am. Or just, I get to write the papers, look at my, you know, specimen. <laughs> as, you know, I'm sure, as an academic in anthropology. <sighs> yeah. There are reasons that there's one conference I prefer over all others, and that's because it's the conference for us, by us, when it comes to linguistics and queer stuff. Um, and I miss it desperately, because I don't even know when it's happening this year. It's was typically February or March, and energy. Energy levels. Everything is different when my energy levels are lower, and that also means that, you know, the energy to deal with doctors. I have to deal with that. It's, it's those choices. It's... Um, I never expected how much money I'd spend on food because I can't really cook many days. And it's not like I can go to places for pickup, even though I have a car, because that also takes huge amounts of energy. So it's delivery nearly every day because there's only so many, you know, hot water things you can add hot water or throw in the microwave you can eat. But also on a bad day, I can't even just add hot water. Um never like it was okay medical costs sharp never never thought of that uh financial issue and of course again everything being tied together um they <laughs> i'm very lucky to have savings and that my parents were like okay we don't want you to work we know that being stressed about financial stuff is going to make everything worse you just got diagnosed with ms you're in those initial stages um based on what people have told us, the first year especially can be the worst um, because your body's kind of in high alert and everything's new. And so they're like, you know what? We don't want you to. Here's a bunch of money specifically for medical stuff in your account. We know you're going to go through it. Um, but it's the only reason I actually have savings now is because I'm at that level of what they gave me um, because I've had to dig into it so many times for rent because one of the things I plan to do, I had an amazing job coming out of my PhD. Um, for one summer, um, I got to help create a non-binary uh, text speech voice. And I was in the process of supposed to be working on writing some papers with it, doing these things with it, networking. It was in the process of the time where that was running through that I got my M got the MS hit. And I've had now multiple times where I was supposed to be doing something with that or writing a paper or something that I either had the relapse in January when I was I was helping run a workshop in January and I was supposed to also be working on a paper and I had my relapse and suddenly I'm on heavy doses of steroid and steroid withdrawal and managed to help with the workshop <laughs> paper did not happen could not happen I was not yeah. a, I did not have that energy just 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 not available um I was again helping with paper this past September and we had just moved and I was like yeah cool I should be able to do this I don't really have work right now this will be great. My body, I still am learning my limits. My body doesn't have a warning sign yet that I know. And so instead of giving me warning signs, I end up sick. Sorry. Sorry, I wasn't laughing at you. It just... Sorry. <laughs> it's me. What just happened? 
Oh, my chair's back. I've got. I've been having hip spasms for the last no. day. And I called out of work yesterday because they were bad. They managed today, but they're starting back up again. It's all right. I just. I was like, I'll lean forward. Then I was like, I'm going to flash this entire camera. Let's just sink onto the floor instead. Um, <laughs> so yes, there you go. I hope everyone enjoyed that moment while we listened to Cammy say some very interesting shit. That I'm like. That's, oh my god, I'm learning. I wanna oh god, I'm on the floor. I'm just gonna be the don't worry, I'm just down here for now. It's alright. Um, <laughs> Do you need to take a a break at all? Nah, if I stop, I'll stop. For sure. So, okay. right. yes. Sorry, I'll just um, remiss and rock back and forward yeah. slightly. Okay. If if you do need to <laughs> stop at any moment, let, let us know. Oh um, yeah. Um, All right. Um, right. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. okay, I remember what I was saying. It is basically. Um, I'm very lucky. I've had this teaching job now for years. And when I found out about MS, I talked to my supervisor, and he's like, "So, almost no one knows this, but I have MS. Um, I am happy." And at that point, I was waiting to hear back some things about jobs, so I might not have been coming back as a teacher. And he's like, "I'm giving you my personal email in case you need someone to talk to." Because I'd worked with him for a long time at that point, you know, on and off for years. Um, I've been with this company since uh, my first summer of grad school, back when it was a summer only job, and now it's full time mostly. Because it's a teaching job, like we get vacations off. We are also in certain like six week shifts. So as one shift ends and up before another shift begins, there's downtime. So I don't really work full time. But at the same time, I kind of do. It's very, yeah. It's not the best, especially when it comes to money uh, stuff, which is part of where the, a lot of the money stress comes from and a lot of why I've been digging into my, um, say, having to dig into my savings so much is between that and some things with my households. Just, I, I'm the only one with savings. So pretty much everything coming to money, I'm the one who has to take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, but so anyways, I had this great job. I was in the perfect place to start networking. And... DMS came. And what I was going to say, right, September, um, was going to work on this paper, was maybe in a place to start working on the networking again, and I had nearly a week in which I was nauseous and could barely sleep, but was exhausted, and if I wasn't directly doing anything, I was in bed. Um, and that's what happened. I've now learned that I have a sickness that is the you've overworked yourself sickness. Um, it has happened a few times since then, too. The problem is, again, I don't get a warning. I just get the backlash. Yeah. Um, I'm actually waiting a little bit because I've had a few remarkably good days where I've had the energy to cook and to make all the phone calls and to put things together despite lack of sleep. Which means it's going to bite me. It come back to bite me at some point. I'm sure of it. Um, but again, it just it all ties in. Um, and especially, so I'm really looking forward to when I move out of my current lease, I'm going to live alone and only have to worry about myself. And I might be able to take that energy I've been putting into the household in general and put it into um, finding a proper job with my PhD. And if I can do that, um, I, I, I've been lucky. I also um, am waiting to hear back about a grant because if a company gets this grant, they're hiring me. Nice. And we, if, but, but they're in the initial stages. They're very much in the, we are doing the initial 
stage of the grant to see if we can get past that. And if they accept that, then they'll do the full grant. And then we get to wait. So it's a lot of waiting and a lot of... Um, but it's at least a place to start the networking and possibly some consulting. And I'll be able to finally start working on that. But like, MS stopped my whole professional life. Like, it stalled it all out for over a year. Um, the good thing it did... Not, you know, the silver lining is, again, I now feel comfortable calling myself disabled, which has given me a lot of um, connections and communities. It's part of why I'm part of Team Glitchco now, because I would not have felt comfortable being so, even though I know that with, with my IBS and ADHD and anxiety and leg issues, they would have completely 100% accepted me beforehand. They did not need the MS for them to have accepted me, but I would not have considered myself disabled enough to fit in you know um yay internal ableism yeah. <sighs> but um so that's one silver lining of the cloud is the communities i found because of it the other one is as it turns out my streaming journey and my ms journey are now intrinsically linked forever because um i started streaming while i was on the steroids to help get over the eye issue at the time, I did not know it was a mess. And I would say that the fatigue and the real, like, the big hit to my body probably came with the relapse in January. So the first few months of it, I was also in that place where I had, I, I was on the steroids, I had major insomnia, so I was, like, always on Twitch. Um, and, always, and had the energy back then to actually interact and not just lurk, which I really, really, really freaking miss. Like, I miss having full conversations on Twitch chats with streamers. Like, I just, energy. Um, and I don't think I'd be where I am today if I was at the level of energy I am now on a daily basis back when I started. Um, in many way, different ways. I don't think I'd have the communities. I don't think I'd have the friendships. So, plus the fact that it took a little bit for the fatigue to set in. Um, but it was, yeah, it was while I was recovering that I was like, I kind of really want to be around people. And streaming looks fun. And I just learned I could stream directly through my PlayStation. Um, back when I had no camera, no overlays, no anything. So it was literally I'd hit live on my base, you know, PlayStation. <laughs> um, um, but so it, it's strange to have made that I make that connection of how tied together they are. Um, and of course streaming for me has become an advocacy space in a lot of ways and an education space and as much as i love gaming and i love the fact that i'm also like the heck i'm a versus evil herald now i'm part i've been doing a bunch of things with HitSense and other indie developers like that's really cool i love indie games i love that i get to rep and bring indie games to new more people and show off these games but like that's great but really the th the big thing for me has been creating a space and getting to do these things and being in a being a person who is multi-marginalized creating a space where all these marginalizations are number one out there for people to see and find people like them but also for uh, people who are marginalized in different ways to have a space where like you know we're marginalized together not the same place but at least it's very supportive space um and so all of these pieces come together um Basically, in a lot of ways, I try to be the person I needed to see when I was younger. Like, part of why it took me so long to figure out I was non-binary was because I didn't see anyone who was feminine non-binary for years. And it took 
that friend being like, well, the way you describe yourself was like my non-binary friend, along with finally seeing someone who was feminine non-binary. Um, you know? Um, so that's part of why, especially with big things, I love putting on the makeup and, you know, getting pretty because I love being femme and I love playing with makeup and I love, you know, I'm like, I'm in MS Orange today. Um, and I was in MS Orange yesterday for my MS stream. Doc. Um, hence, also I stuck my light on orange. Normally it goes through rainbow colors. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of ways where it's really important to be like, yes, that non-binary can look like me. Non-binary can freaking look like anything. Um, and that includes looking like me. ADHD. Like, it's one of those things that the, if you are successful in certain ways, people won't believe that you're neurodivergent or mentally ill. And so, <laughs> yeah, I have a PhD. Um, and, like, I have to phase the fact sometimes when I'm like, yeah, I have a PhD, I have ADHD. People are like, you don't have ADHD. I'm like, yeah, I do. And they're like, no, you don't. I'm like, it took me 11 years to get my my PhD because of freaking ADHD. Like, 11 years. Okay? Don't tell me I don't have it. Um, But it's that same thing. Like, I hold down a job. Um, and I've talked with people about the fact that, for me, deadlines are huge. I need a deadline. But give me a deadline and I will get the thing done and I will get the thing done well. Um, and I've had people who are like, oh, no, if you had ADHD, that wouldn't be enough. I'm like, I've had doctors, like, if you had ADHD, that wouldn't be enough. I'm like, well, thank God I have my diagnosis from when I'm a kid. And they have my diagnosis written freaking down. So um, that's gotten past anything. Anytime when I do need the meds is at least it's there. Um, and that's been enough to get past those things. But it's definitely been disbelieved. I mean, similarly, when I was in my mid-20s, I had someone try to take my cane because I was too young to need a cane. <laughs> I just saw the reaction, you know? It's the all of these things. It's if you look at me, I know people see someone who's abled, who is well, probably younger than I am, I have learned. I have definitely had a lot of people assume I was into my mid to late twenties. Um, and I, I've been told that people assumed I was very mature for my mid to late twenties, but that based on my looks that I was mid to late twenties. Um or sometimes the fact that I just got a PhD because getting a PhD yet when I have never stopped schooling in my 30s was still <sighs> another th whole other rant. Um, but um, I've fun. had people look at my, you know, most people assume I'm a woman. A lot of less people now assume I'm straight now that I, you know, I typically have purple hair and short hair and wear very different, out, very geeky outfits. But I definitely, for a long time, people assumed I was a straight woman. And I was neither. Mm. So it's just... Now, you know, add in the people assume you're able. Um, I don't... If I'm using my placard, which is most days, because I've learned that if I don't use my placard and park further away and walk, then suddenly I have a lot more bad days and I need to use it. And if I just go, okay, it's a good day, I'm just going to use it anyway, I have more good days. And had to get past the guilt of using it on good days because I realize it makes that huge difference. And I'm going to use it anyway, because if I don't use it, I'll be using it because it's a bad day in the future. Um, but, like, on a good day, I'll take bring my cane sometimes just to have a clear, like, look, look, I really deserve to be parking here. Because <laughs> so I have that fear that it hasn't happened to me yet, but I have that huge fear that someone, I'm going to get yelled at for, you know, parking in a non, 
or in a disabled space when I'm clearly not disabled. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mum got that once, um, in parking in a disabled space. Because yeah. my mum also looks younger than she mm -hmm. is. I think she's turning 50 this year, but has always looked a good five to ten years younger. Yeah. And this was probably was five to ten years ago. I do remember some bloke, it's not exactly clear memory, but some bloke just being like, hey, you know, love, do you sure you need to park there? As I went to the back and got her wheelchair out, she gets out with one leg and was, I don't know. It's like, yeah, the woman's got one leg, mate. You, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe not. We'll, we'll walk. We'll walk. Yeah, and like, um, I've stopped using public transportation for a number of reasons. Uh, pandemic being one major one, but it's also one of the biggest. I, I can't really stand on public transportation. It hurts a lot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, which again is one of those things that I, I have good balance. I was a freaking horseback rider. I used to take pride in my ability to stand on public transportation and not let it and not have to hold on to anything. <laughs> As a kid, that was a thing I loved to do and be proud of. So like, the fact that I couldn't keep my balance on it much less that if I did it hurts. It's it's still these things that I have to take into account that it you know, I'm not who I used to be in a lot of ways. That mentally mostly, but these things that I could do isn't true anymore. And it's still I have days where it's super hard. There's days I grieve. You know? I absolutely have to grieve sometimes. Um but hmm. Anyway, um, I had a point. Oh, right. Um, especially if it's a busy time, you know, not people won't always give up a seat to someone who looks young and looks abled. If I don't have my cane, there's no way I'm getting people to stand up for me. Are you kidding me? Partly, you know, I also don't feel comfortable asking for it, to be honest, because I know what I look like. But also I've had the, you know, kind of attitude for people not real kind of eyeing my cane before moving um i got very lucky the one time i left my cane at work because i was feeling good that day and the next day i went to go into work and my knee locked and i literally couldn't straighten my leg and i didn't have my cane someone noticed how i was standing i was like D do you need to sit i'm like yes please thank you um but typically i just try to i just avoid it now i have a car i've had a car um, I mean, I live in Boston. You don't drive in Boston, but I need. Luckily, the placard helps with the parking. Um, although speaking of financial drains, when you have doctors who don't have their own parking lot, so you have to park in the parking garage because you can't park too far away. Oh, it I seems had like a, a major oversight. <laughs> There's no handicap parking right near my doctor i don't know why like there's no parking lot associated with my doctor um because i think mostly because it is in a place that's very very publicly accessible public transport wise but um there's street parking that's almost always busy and taken and there's plenty of parking garages around but they cost and they're not associated with any i had a day i was running late and there must have been an event at fenway um and I paid $50 for my parking that day. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Normally, like, normally it's closer to 20 Still. But it's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luckily, my PT, like, 
the parking garage with my neurologist and with my PT and with my infusions is a paid one, but it's associated with them. So I get a um, validation and don't pay. Um, my neuro-ophthalmologist, I get a validation to pay less. You know, it's, it's just the always is there is a question of having to keep that in mind because I can't really public transport places for all these reasons. Um, and those are things people don't take into account. Not to mention that, again, with gender shit, there's the issues of if I'm going on public transport, that's just more people I'm dealing with who I know are seeing me as a woman. But that's just my daily life of walking around if I leave my apartment. Um, <laughs> which in some ways I think it's par part of why um, I've... Again... This all happening during the pandemic when I was already shifting my social life online has helped a lot because I don't see my in-person friends, really. Most of my, I've kind of been losing touch with a bunch of my friends from, you know, the area, partly because I moved away from this area after college to go to grad school, moved back to the area and kind of that hole that used to be there when I would visit was gone. And I had to kind of make a remake it. I still have my friends, but I didn't fit with them the same way. And that was weird as someone with ADHD who doesn't really um, get, what's it, uh, relationship decay or whatever the term is that, you know, mm. most people where if you don't, so someone for a while, they don't, they don't have that same connection with you anymore. And for me, I can have not seen someone for five years, but if we were good friends five years ago, that's, that's still my association is where we were. Because what yeah. is time? What is distance? So my strongest relationships are with the people who are just like that. The people I consider my siblings. Um, Every time I'm with them, it's like, no nope, time has passed at all. They're the exact same I ha way I am. And it's great. We're just right back in the swing of things. I have, you know, friends like that. But then I have the others who, like, that, that space and that connection is different and it's weird. I don't really know what to do with that. Um, but and now it's the, a lot of the us are immunocompromised in different ways or at high risk anyways. So very few of us are really seeing people. Um even without all of this. So, um, but it's just my, my whole community is different uh, in many ways. And it's, um, look, I'm very lucky that I was, as a huge extrovert, I was able to make that shift because seeing people used to be like, I'd jump into a car and go see someone. And now it's the, what else am I doing that day? Do I have the energy to get into the car? Do I have the energy to do the drive? Do I have the energy? It's like, the spoons it takes to get out of my apartment for anything, it's completely, di you know, I actually have to take that into account now in a way I never did before. You have a void with you. I do. Sorry. He's just been watching Drac on the other screen and being like really <laughs> fascinated. Aww. I kidding. So tonight, tonight I go visit my parents, which is good because I haven't seen them for a while and... <sighs> Speaking of, like, just all these things, thank God I yeah. have a car. Thank God my dad works for a university and gets tested weekly. My parents are fully vaxxed, and I got, because of all of this stuff, I actually got my fourth vax. So my second yeah. booster. Uh, Tuesday. My arm hurts a lot. <laughs> but I've been lucky that it was just a hurting arm and none of the other side effects that I got for the first two shots. Um, and I'm very excited because uh, they have two new cats. Um, I just got pictures of the void cat. He is he is void and fluffy, and I'm excited. Yeah, uh, yeah. That is a good like, shout, Jack. We should pro we'll probably get offered uh, another vax again sometime soon. 
I believe they said they were going to roll it out spring summer for vulnerable people. Because uh, yeah. yeah. the last one was so much fun. <laughs> it wasn't fun, but it's better than. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's better than dying, but I actually think it's better than getting extra disabled. Oh, uh, yeah. I think yeah, I'm that... ranking that higher in the list of the things it's better than, to be honest. Yeah. I'm lucky that uh, my doctor took it seriously. Like, when I went in October last year to see my doctor my doctor's like look you're i don't care that you're on a targeted immunosuppressant because my immunosuppressant really targets like my brain and my spinal cords the areas that ms really affects and attacks with and from um so i'm not quite immunocompromised in the same way as a full body immunosuppressant i still can make antibodies um which is really huge i can still get vaccines and have them be worthwhile um i don't have to be quite as careful as with those things but my my doctor was still like yep yep want you to get it you're here go upstairs and get your vax and i was like uh, okay I, and I got very lucky that this was a place that literally could go go upstairs and get your vax similarly when i went on tuesday and it had been six months i i was like uh my neurologist said i should bring this up when i saw him last week yay all the doctor appointments ever <sighs> very tired of it <laughs> but it's that that's again a lot in life is um just i know you know way more now than i used to have mm. um it's actually one of the main reasons i'm staying in the area despite all my social life now being online and this and living in a very expensive area is i cannot move and have to deal with getting new all of the doctors and also new insurance i would almost definitely spend at least a few months without um ms meds because i'm on an infusion um i can't like get just an extra dose to have in between or anything like that um, and also I got so lucky because I had a good neurologist and when my insurance was like, nope, gotta get someone new, I got transferred to a good neurologist. I really like him. I have a gynecologist again who takes my gender and sexuality, all aspects of it seriously. Again, finding, you know, uh, gynecologists are not just cool with you being, you know, trans or non-binary, but also being polyamorous and ace. Like, uh, how did I get this lucky? I don't know. Am I going to get that lucky again? Almost definitely not. Um, I don't so. know. I, I, I think uh, um, uh, the challenge of uh, um, making them deal with it is uh, uh, part of the uh, uh, amusement that I get these days. As uh, I, yeah. I, I had to uh, tell my uh, nurse uh, that I was uh, um, polyamorous uh, <laughs> last time I saw them for my um, endo uh, uh, treatment, and that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> but yeah. I get it. I get it. It's it's yeah. there. Are, there are not enough spoons in the in the repertoire to uh, yeah, have to just... go through all of those things. Like, if I'm going to move, over, it's going to be for a specific reason. I'm going to a specific mm. place. And it's not just, like, it would be really nice. I'm very close with my parents, and I very strongly considered moving back to upstate New York to be near them. And it's a much cheaper area. It would be nice. And I just cannot deal with the refiguring out all of my doctors. Especially because that's where I had the gastroenterologist that was so bad that I haven't been able to go back to a gastroenterologist for, like, yeah. uh, about five years. And I finally am doing it right now because things have just gotten so bad and it's gone from being an annoyance to, again, an active disruption to my life. 
um, yeah. that finally made me bite the bullet. And yesterday was like, I need this when I saw my new doctor. Yeah, that's that's why all my treatment, all my conditions are currently like completely untreated, apart from just endless mm-hmm. painkillers. Just yeah. my doctors, local doctors that I can see are awful, um, yeah. and I've put complaints in about both of them for multiple reasons over multiple years, but I can't see another one. And my yeah. specialist won't see me any longer because I need another fucking referral. It's like my my condition didn't oh. go away. Jesus yeah. Christ! So it's ugh. yes, oh. but and, yeah, at the it's... same time, yeah. I'm very happy you've got yeah. good doctors. Though I and I'm like I'm I'm very aware how lucky I am. It's it's actually one of the reasons I'm very passionate about um self-diagnosis, especially for mm-hmm. mental stuff, is because uh diagnosis is a privilege. You have to have be in the right places. You have to have the money or the insurance or both, depending on where you live, to see the person. You have to have the doctor who takes you um who takes you seriously like if you have a if you have inattentive brand ADHD again that's another one that's extra hard to get that versus hyperactive the fact that I got diagnosed as a kid with inattentive brand when we thought I was a girl how (laughs) you know um my parents uh, thought it is not the right word um we only knew boys who had ADHD and they were all hyperactive, impulsive brand. And so my parents really didn't think I had ADHD at first because um, I didn't present anything like them. And luckily we had some of the right people to talk to them and to show it and to refer to the right person. And um, they also weren't sure about medication. And if, the way my mom says um, he described it to them was that I was spending, you know, all of my energy and time just paddling to stay afloat um treading water to stay afloat and if they gave me the meds basically they were giving me the boat and i could do other stuff um that we all had glasses and stuff like that so it was that i think analogy as well and that that's what got through um but it was just one of those things of you know nobody knew about inattentive brain ADHD. no one else had talked about that so if it hadn't been the right people being in the way, there's no way we would that would have happened. Um, and if I hadn't been diagnosed as a kid and gotten on the meds, I wouldn't have learned the coping strategies that mean that I'm mostly unmedicated for ADHD right now, just because I have again, I was un I was medicated while I learned how to deal with it, but without that, I would not have been in that same level to learn how to deal. Um. And I have the choice. I, I'm not taking it. Partly also ADHD means I'm really bad at meds. Let's be honest here. <laughs> it's part of why I'm on an infusion. Again, everything going together. The reason I'm on an infusion for MS, despite having a fear of needles, uh, I do have a slight needle phobia, uh, is that I any MS meds, pretty much you have to take them on a regular schedule. Um. And with the way my life's go, my life goes, I regular schedule. What is that? I'm lucky if I remember my meds every day, much less the same time of day. And you can't do that with MS meds. Mm-hmm. So going in for an infusion monthly, where I have oversight from other people, where it goes in my calendar and it's a thing that I have to go to, because that works very differently than as a reminder. Like an alarm doesn't work. A note on my pillow wouldn't work. All those things people have, anything that's like setting a daily um, 
schedule and a daily plan. Number one, with my job, my daily schedule changes every single day, just when I have classes, when I have meetings, um, when I stream. But also, you know, okay, that new thing works for a little bit, but then it's just habit, and it's I, I don't notice it anymore. You know, I've got a list of things on the door that I'm supposed to do when I walk out. Like, I don't technically, but that's the thing that I've considered. I know for a fact that after, like, day three or four, I would no longer see that note. So, um, but yeah, but um, it, it's, diagnosis is a privilege. Like I said, I'm, I, I did not feel lucky when I got the MS diagnosis. Uh, I had someone, like, I had a friend add me to a chat of people with, either with or with suspected MS without asking me first. And I didn't, you know, the first thing that happens is I'm suddenly in the chat and someone says, congratulations on your diagnosis. And I'm like, what the hell? Um, because, you know, again, I went from not even having a sign of it, having zero clue to, I have something going on, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably, but I might have a mess, oh, but I've been told probably not. Okay. To, Oh, uh, you probably have MS too. You definitely have MS in a span of what three months? You know, at <laughs> there was no real adjustment time to that. Um, there was it was just fast and jarring, and I'm so lucky because if I hadn't been diagnosed then, it would have taken longer. I would have had the relapse and had no clue what was going on. Um. But, um, definitely at the time I didn't feel lucky about it. It's one of those things that I look back and I'm like, oh, dear God, I'm so fortunate. I look back at being diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. Um, I look at the fact that it took me until my late 20s, it actively got diagnosed with anxiety, even though we figured it out at, what, I think I was 21 when we figured it out. Uh, again, stigma. And so... <sighs> Um, yeah, I think that was all part of the diagnosis of the privilege and fuck gatekeepers. <laughs> so, um, I think I've rambled a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was, was <laughs> I tried to uh, interject at one point to uh, uh, move on to topics, but uh, um, uh, you you had you still had a uh, ways to to go through that. Um, so steamrolling. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, no need to be sorry. Our next uh, question that we we should move on to is yeah. um, stigmas and uh, misconceptions. So you say that you've been quite um, uh, lucky in your uh, supporting your family. But is there anything um, that you yourself have experienced outside of of such? Yeah. Um, so some of this I talked about, that you're too young for your cane, the fear of people, you know, of when I use a placard or park in a disabled spot. Like, those are big ones. Just the, you don't look disabled. Um, you don't look chronically ill. The idea is, again, that what people assume if you look abled, you are abled. Um, people also assume you are binary in your gender when they look at you, which is a big problem. Um, it just, um, like, what do you do? And for me being fairy femme, 
like I'm making a choice that I know that people are going to look at me and assume I'm female and that I'm going to actively have to fight harder to get seen as non-binary because I fit very much what people look at and think is woman. Out of uh, um, interest um, yeah. on that, I w wanted to ask earlier, actually. Um, how was International Women's Day for you? Uh, apparently, I've made enough of a push that people did not contact me about being a woman at all. Um, I also was pretty loud about it at the beginning of Women's History Month, too, of the, hey, let's let's boost up our friends who are women. I'm not one. Um, I always have a little bit of weirdness with those, but, um, I was, it was a day where I, was that Tuesday, I think? I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. Um, it wasn't a thing that, yeah. It was yeah. some point this week. <laughs> it was time. Yes, it was this week. I know, right? Um. Yeah. It, I have, this year at least, I have pushed myself enough in these places, like, established myself, I think is a better word, that people uh, i i don't get mixed up with women in most places and in most communities i'm in now um and because i'm not going out in the same way i don't get it the same way as if i was out in society so it's kind of very different now that i've had those things it's um uh cuz i definitely know how many friends uh definitely got the Hey, happy International Women's Day. Hey, here's women you should check out. Um, and I was actually a little tense for it and was very relieved when it came past. And like, I think I got, uh, was I tagged? Was that Wednesday? I'm trying to remember if I got tagged on Tuesday or Wednesday, International Women's Day or the next day. Um, and I had a moment of, uh-oh, but it was about being a charity streamer. It had uh. nothing to do with being a woman. Um, I was like, yes. <laughs> um, so... I always, though, um, <laughs> I can go on some very long rants that that would be a whole podcast. I could do a whole thing on itself about the uh, non-binary being lumped in with women, especially when you're talking about certain groups um, and gaming groups and, you know, Twitch putting out, I think Twitch put out the, you know, to women and not and marginalized genders. Like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Hmm. Number one, that includes, you, you, you realize that marginalized genders include trans men and trans mask people and non-binary people who really don't want to be lumped in with women? And I ended up in an argument with someone who was like, well, but, but it's better to be inclusive for those non-binary women to be exclusive. And I'm like, no, you know one, what's good is, is why don't you actually highlight them yeah. on the appropriate time? Yep. And yep. actually acknowledge that that exists. Yeah. Right? Um, I was like, you know, number one, okay, if you want to do that, say women and non-binary women. Why is it better to leave out the word women and say non-binary people and get hit lots of us with a dysphoria stick? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have a lot of rants about that whole thing. And of course, the whole game hers and those things situation happened. Um, and some of that I can't really talk about because I am dealing with things for helping with that. Um, a lot of good came out of it in the long run. There is a lot of bad in the moment. A lot of good is coming out of it. And there is change happening, though a lot of it is slow change. Um, so that's a cool thing that I can say is that I know for a fact that stuff is happening and change is happening. Um, like, uh, 
broadcasters in 1000 Dreams Fund, for instance, are working to um, really think about it and re rework how they're wording and doing things. And like, so like one of the things they're doing is for women and non-men, for instance, very specifically. Um, it just, but yeah. Um, again, I, well, conversations. Um, but so that's some of it is that non-binary is not woman light. Being femme does not make you woman. I'm a them fatale, you know, not a fem. <laughs> I love that phrase way too much. <laughs> it's a good phrase. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I love it. You know, I'm a them fatale. Um, it's, there's also the pronouns do not make gender. Um, if I knew that I could use she and not have people assume that meant I was female, and if I knew I could put she, they, or they, she, and people wouldn't just default to the she, I might still go by they, she in certain spaces rather than, you know, but it's like, I need to have my boundaries here of I am they, them online because, and in these spaces, because I know that if I put, start lessening it, it's going to get she more and more and more. And people will use that to not see me as non-binary, you know? Um, and that's a big thing. Pronouns do not make gender. There are, you know, as people put it, there are he lesbians. There, there are women who use he, there are women who use they, there are men who use they, there are men who use she. Um, there are people of all genders and or lack of gender who use um, neo-pronouns, you know? Um, uh, let's see. I'm thinking through just these pieces. So, yeah. I, I wish people would not make as many assumptions based on what someone looks like, gender-wise and sexuality-wise and ability-wise. Um, that's, that's really my biggest takeaway and my biggest thing. You know, and believe people. That's another one is that we get people who are like, oh, you're not. I still remember being told in high school when I had, was coming out as bi that, oh, you're, you're not bi. You've only been with a boy. And I'm like, I'm my first boyfriend ever. What do you want from me? And then later on being told, uh, oh, bi doesn't exist. You know, you're a lesbian because you ping my gaydar. I'm like, I I'm dating a boy right now. Uh, um, oh, okay. I've at least gotten a lot less of the bi erasure as I got older, but it definitely still happens, you know? Um, but again, the, oh, you're too young to need that. Um, I know friends of mine who, uh, for different chronic reasons, will absolutely have that moment of, you know, they'll come into work exhausted because they were in pain all night. And an older coworker, almost always an older coworker, will make a crack about them partying late. Or a crack about, you know, oh, when you're older, you'll understand what pain's like. Or when you're older, you'll understand these things. It's like, young doesn't mean abled. Young doesn't mean pain-free. Um, like, trust me, I'm having a good old run at it now, thanks. <laughs> people yep. should be pretty excited they didn't experience this when yep. they were young. Yep, but no, it's... it's And of course, there's that idea that... Um, so a lot of society has the idea that pain is a punishment. So, you know, if you're tired, you must have done something. If you're in pain, you must have done something. Um, and, of course, there's the idea that chronic illness... <laughs> you know, right? um, chronic illness... Of course, people still don't understand the chronic issue. And this is actually one of the big things happening with long COVID is people can't quite wrap their minds around the idea that you might get COVID and not get better. And that's kind of been washed away, too. Um... But, like, you know, I will, for the rest of my life, need to be getting infusions. Or if I get certain things that mean I can't get those infusions anymore, being on meds. 
it's not going away unless something changes and we somehow find a med to get rid of MS. And if we get that, I'll still be having to take that. You know, Craddock means it doesn't go anywhere. Um, and that's the thing is that, you know, you get the, oh, I'm dealing with this thing. And people say, oh, I hope you get better soon. And the answer is, like, I don't know that I have a better answer for that, honestly, of a, what should people say as much as a, I hope you, you know, feel better, as better as, as a, you know, as good as you're able. I hope this pain flare goes away. I hope there's things where you can say the, oh, then sometimes, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Just the acknowledgement. But people kind of assume that, oh, okay, you're dealing with it. It's temporary. Um, I've, because this all happened to me in the pandemic when people weren't going out anyways, I haven't had to deal with the friends getting tired of me having to cancel on them constantly. Aren't you better yet? But I know a lot of friends who have had to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and again, I've enmeshed myself very quickly in these communities where it is okay, where people expect us to have to disappear because of it. Glitchco is an amazing team for me, partly because everyone understands when you're like, I'm sorry, I disappeared for a full week. I was having a flare up. You know, uh, if anyone ever has that, wait, where were you? We'd expect more from you. We're going to be like, what, what are you doing here? You're in the wrong place, you know? Um, and that's huge and that's important. But, um, and I've been very lucky that that's, I managed to enmesh myself in these communities very quickly because that's also very rare. Um, I like work on the technology to put me into a robot body and I'll feel better otherwise. Um, I had one more. Shoot, I had something I thought of. What was it? I don't remember. I had one other thing I was going to say about one of the misconceptions or stigmas. And I don't remember. Oh, well. Um, I guess another one is just that there are layers to everything and nuances to everything. I'm ace. I get sexual crushes basically but i don't actually have the desire to be in a sex it's complicated it would take a while to explain the nuances of my aceness but it's part of why it took me so long to figure out is because again there are levels i like to say i live in the liminalities or the spaces in between um but yeah so that's a whole bunch of them um um and and our last question before audience yes. questions. So, if you have questions, submit now. Um, tell us what you can take away from your experience. What good has come of it? Yeah. So again, I've addressed some of this. It's it community is the main one that I have found these communities. Um, there's a bunch. I have a bunch more understanding of things. Like I would not wish what I go through on anyone, but at least I can talk about it and put out there, again, going through this issue, I talk about cooking a lot because for me it was a huge change because I love to cook. And, you know, I've had the argument of, well, you, you know, if you're using all of these meal replace easy things and microwave things, why don't you just meal prep and this? And clearly y'all are lazy and don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I saw the faces, right? That was an argument. I used to meal like prep. Now I have chronic fatigue. Yes, <laughs> but I would want to eat it all. See, I love, I, I could meal prep like a champ. I have, diver I led feasts for over 200 people for LARPs a few times. 
I know how to cook for groups. I know how to cook in large amounts. I know how to meal prep. I just can't cook anymore half the, most of the time. The fact that I actually, Tuesday night, managed to make, like, a lasagna-type thing and chicken wings in one day, that was more, I cooked more in that one day than I think I've cooked in the entire past month. And I think I cooked more in the past month than I've cooked in the entire past year. Yeah. Um, but so I talk about these things because I hadn't seen it. Um, and then I get other people who are like, yes, or someone else will bring up a thing and I'll add my own experience. And I've seen that um, because not that many of us have all had those things to talk about. Some of it is we don't realize that our experience is more universal than it is. We think it's personal or just us or the opposite way around. We think it's everyone. And then we learn it's not. Um, but finding those spaces where I can find community and where I can educate and help other people find community has been, I think, the biggest blessing. Um, so that and, again, in some ways for me, the fact that this all happened when it did and during a time when I wasn't expected to be going out was a weird, weird, like, tiny sliver of gold <laughs> and everything. Because <laughs> it would have been a lot harder to figure some of this stuff out otherwise. But really community is my biggest silver lining and biggest good thing um in pretty much all cases so yeah awesome um Paige do you have any questions that you wish to ask I feel like I did five minutes ago and then I held on to one and then I lost it so I shall try and find it again <laughs> you know that feel? Yeah, it's like, oh, I had it, I had it, it's gone. Where has it? I don't know where it's gone. Give I have me a, a whiteboard moment. next to me, half like, I have been known to in the middle of the stream to write things down because I'm going to forget them otherwise. More often, I just forget it. I actually, so, I, I, <laughs> I depend on my mods quite uh, heavily. I tell my mods to make notes, I t tell my mods to, uh, um, uh, organize certain things and uh, um, put in like commands and stuff because if I don't I will forget I will it'll it'll be gone I'll think I've done it and it'll be gone and half of my memory lives in Wolby hmm. one specific friend <laughs> uh, and mod <laughs> it's yeah yeah it's you have to do the things that you have to do yeah. to try and function at a level that's yeah so i do have a question and it has nothing technically to do with anything we've spoken about today because i'm really good at podcasting drag i'm really good cool. at it uh, awesome but it is to do with something that kami said at least that's so good. i feel like that gives me half a point because i remember what my question was for like two hours ago um so you said that you obviously really like indie games uh, and you do lots of indie games for streaming. I don't know whether you've picked up the um, Itch.io bundle for Ukraine that they've done, because I, I just grabbed that because it was yeah. it was ten dollars. Um, Not yet, like... because I have been struggling financially yes. lately to have the extra money. Most of my extra I have to I really have to keep my savings padded and I. Uh, there are a few games in there I'd really like, but I'm also really mm. bad at using non-Steam games. Like, really, really bad yeah. at using non-Steam games. Um, so, 
I can't quite justify the $10 I can't quite afford when I'm going to forget and not use those games. Because, like, I did the, I forget, the ginormous over a thousand games bundle for, I forget what, a number of years ago when I could afford it. I keep forgetting I have it, especially now that I finally have a computer I could play most of those games on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Um, I also have been blessed in the fact that both between friends and between starting to get known again as an indie streamer, um, a lot of the games I've wanted, like, I will randomly occasionally have a friend hand it to me. Yeah. Um, or any money. Or like I've got quite a few games that um developers reached out with and I was like, ooh, this looks fun. So look, out of the ones yeah. on the bundle, are there any you would recommend? Because yeah, I, I did I'd have pick to it look up through it again. Look at. Yeah. Um I'd have to look through it because I don't remember, to be honest. <laughs> I, there were some that caught my eye. Wonder Wander Song, I remember being there, mm. and I really, really want to play that game. So that is uh, actually the main reason. I'm still thinking about it when I get my next paycheck, but I, I mm. really have to Wait, I still have to figure out my taxes with all of the Twitch stuff for the first... I'm pretty sure I'm going to need to uh, actually hire someone to help with taxes. Yeah, Um, there's 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 definitely one on there you'd like, Drac. Huh? There's one you'd like on there. It's called The Mortician... I think it's called The Mortician's Dream or... Mortician's Tale, where you actually do get to play a mortician. I haven't played it yet, but I've heard really good things. Is it... it, I I am a huge fan of uh, Graveyard Keeper. Uh... So, so this is actually more like a not not a life sim, but like a job sim. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually yeah. fairly realistic, yeah. like in terms of the story it tells and how it, it works. It's really... relatively short and very good. Mm. I haven't played it myself, but yeah, um, I'd ha- basically I'd have to look through that list. I I mm. browse it very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see a question. Cool. Right. No questions. I do have some questions. Luckily. Um. <gasps> questions. Um. Okay. First one, uh, what is your greatest adversity that you've overcome? That's really hard because I feel like there's a lot of adversities I'm still working with. Um, I guess one of them is the ADHD actually making it through a PhD with ADHD and a uh, advisor who wasn't great. Would not have made it without my mentor. 100%. Um, Some of it really is just the I'm still working through, especially the MS and the chronic illness, I'm just still working through what it means. Um, I don't know if I've really had an adversity thing in the same way um, as much as just kind of society in general and capitalism in general. Um, and it's not quite the same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm having trouble answering that one, I think, because I'm having trouble thinking of what is the adversity for me to overcome as much as the see a lot of my life right now is just getting through it and relearning. Um, and when it's come to gender and sexuality, I again, I've been very, very lucky um, so that I haven't really had the big adversity there um, as much as I've had a lot of friends who have and I've come in, in places to help or help people as much as I could. Um, but I've been very, very lucky with that. Um, so, yeah. I wish I had a better answer for that one, but um, I mean, I, I feel like that... I feel like that is an answer. Okay, the the adversity mm-hmm. is relearning kind of... how yeah. to Fair. Okay, exist cool. with yeah. with your new yeah. norm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm not. I it still happens. I think I think the thing is that I don't feel like I've have one that I've overcome, as much as I'm still there and still in the process. 
Um, but the and act of doing it kind of is thing. overcoming okay. it. Like the fact mm. that you even know that that's something that you are you are coming to grips with that. Mm. That in itself is the biggest step. Is is coming to grips that with. Honestly, it. helps a lot to hear because I don't. Yeah, and and some of it is just my own perception of all of this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's just the what is a big win versus a small win, and that's a hard thing. Is sometimes the you know being like you know what I cooked I cooked chicken wings I literally threw spices on them and tossed them in the oven but that's a win um but that is that's a huge no, win right. it is but it's just the having to recognize these things and sometimes I sometimes I manage and a lot of times I'm still going what is a win what isn't a win I'm gonna because call you out so here because I know that I needed to be called out all right coming out of my PhD you don't see wins for what they are because you're an academic oh my god i have talked about the fact that being a ph i cannot take a break i don't know how to take a break if i have yep. time off and yep, i'm not yep, yep. doing something i feel very guilty and very strange mm. and i have to be doing something yep. whether yep. that something is hanging out with like going and hanging out with friends or at least how you eat like playing a game but i can't just take time off it doesn't work and i think academia is a big part of that but a lot of it for me is also wins are hard because a win now is so much and again i'm still only a year and a half into chronic illness it's still very new i'm over 30 years before without it and it's very much a if i compare something it's hard because a win now would not have been a win two years ago um and it's a lot of it is i'm still working on that reframing 100 i'm still working on that reframing and still working on the that things aren't failures just because I can't do them at the same level I used to, and that things are wins sometimes um, that I'm allowed to be excited for. I've also had a bunch of wins on different levels that don't have to do with the disabilities and such, and those I'm much better at acknowledging. So, like, the job that's coming if, if the company gets the grants, that's a huge win. But I didn't have to... But that was... Um, not really a thing I'd put as as a having to overcome an adversity to do it as much as the this is something I've been working towards and it happened partly because the person who is the co-owner or co-founder of this company is my dad's PhD old PhD student but also because um an article I wrote on a topic with my father because he's also an academic and we've done a bunch of things together uh she found out about it and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I need someone who knows that stuff. This is exactly what I need. Like, this is a, I literally worked for it. So it's a win. It's a huge win, but it's a different kind of win. Yeah, and but it's, it's, it's learning how to recognize the wins that aren't uh, a, yeah. A, uh, yeah. a link to yeah. academic success. Oh, yeah. That's fair. Because you've been trained to fair. to only recognize those as the wins, and I guess that's fair. Um, it's 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 more the I'm good at wins that aren't the fighting, having to just overcome the little disability things. I'm better at acknowledging, you know, if I'm asked to give a talk about a gender thing, I guess, which for me is actually jacketing me a goddamn. My degree was uh, I have my PhD in linguistic anthropology and I wrote my dissertation on non-binary gender presentation. So all of this stuff is tied together. So I think... <laughs> I'm gonna have to rethink about that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Um. 
We've got another question. Um, what is your least favorite or the most hilarious thing that people have suggested you try to fix your health or ADHD or etc.? Well, I get a lot of food ones. Um, I definitely had people reach out about, you know, especially uh, my ex, my ex, uh, my ex passed along their mom's suggestion about a thing about food and MS. I'm like, no, please don't do that again. <laughs> um, food is not going to change my MS. Like, nutritional eating is something I still need to work with, partly because of my IBS and partly also PhD, again mess with that because when you're in the middle of a PhD and dissertation writing you don't eat properly because you can't and then I came straight out of that and I was like I'm gonna relearn my eating as soon as I'm done with my PhD and I came out of my PhD and boom chronic illness that's a different thing that's just a I do need to learn my IBS triggers I do need to uh figure out how to eat healthily while not breaking the bank from ordering out healthy food because that's more expensive um, but that's different than the, here's a diet that will fix your MS. Here's a diet that will fix your IBS. I mean, I guess technically there are diets that will help IBS, but again, the They're not really diets. The, it, well, well, they're yeah, diets yeah. in the sense that it's removing food. Oh, yeah. All yep. of it. Uh, I'm using diet to mean more, um, set of foods you eat or don't than a, like, weight loss diet. Um. So I'm, I guess I think I'm using it in a different terminology slightly. More of a, you know, I, like for me, I would define eating kosher as a diet, not in terms of a weight loss as much as a, this is a set of foods I eat or don't eat. Um, so that's more what I was meaning when I was saying that. But, um, you know, it's the yes, if I learn the right foods, I can manage my IBS better, but it won't go away. And that's also very different than things for my MS. Um, what else? Yoga, of course, gets suggested for things all the time. Like I, again, I've had bad legs for a long time, and yoga gets suggested. I'm like, I, I can't actually do most of those parts. Um, exercise for weight. Yeah, I get exercise a lot. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I gotta fix my legs before I can exercise. I want to exercise. I miss being in shape. I miss being a speed walker. I miss, um, going on walks. But I don't do it because it hurts too much. Not because I don't want to. Like, I need to fix things first. Um, there are some other ones. I feel like there's more. I know that there's been a lot that friends have gotten because, you know, you get the oils all the time in places. And um, I'm in a bunch of just <laughs> fun groups with that stuff where people complain about what people get. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I feel like there's got to have been more. Of course, positivity and positive thinking is one of those ones you see all the time, and I've definitely gotten to. I'm like, I can't just not worry. I have anxiety. You tell me not to worry, I worry worse. Um, although meds help that one a lot, but that's, again, meds, not not worrying. <laughs> um, I think a that's... lot of it is the planning stuff with ADHD. Um, the ways that you're supposed to be able to set yourself a schedule and remind yourself of daily things the notes on your pillow the again the note on your door the alarm on your phone like i had a medical alarm on my phone you know what would happen i'd leave my phone into the other room and it would just be going off for 20 minutes and then i'd finally go and turn it off and then forget to take the thing or i would turn it off and be like i should do the thing and get distracted on my way to do the thing and then it wouldn't happen the alarm on the phones unless you can like do the thing that second 
the alarm on the phone will not work for me. So it mostly helped when it was like, uh, during a certain time of year, you count the Omer, which is you say a blessing every night. Um, and you don't have to do it. And so I had an alarm, and because when it went off, I could literally do it right then and there. Because it was just saying something. The second I have to go to another room to get a medicine, huge risk of me forgetting what I'm doing on my way there. Um, yeah, I feel that. I, <laughs> I have found myself giving myself a mantra of, I have to do a thing, and not remembering the thing I have to do. Because I'll sometimes say, uh, remember uh, the other day, I'm surprised I remember this, I was like saying, thinking to myself, so the effect of, gotta unplug the thing. I'm like, what the heck do I have to unplug? And it took me like 20 minutes to finally remember, oh right, the automatic cat litter box because the motor is going. I wanted to, and it's making loud noises. For the past 20 minutes, it's been making loud noises that I'm hearing. That was the thing. You know, I'll stay. So any of those things, the just planner day better, the just use a daily cat planner, all of those are really one of the biggest ones that I hate the most because they don't, it, it, it basically comes down to, oh, you want to manage your ADHD better? Don't have ADHD. Gee, thanks. And sometimes the techniques work, but they work until they become routine and then yes. they fade away. Like, I notice I do this in video games a lot, which is more like, so I'll, I'll play Halo Infinite, which has like flashing going off and loud beeping when your shields break. And I don't notice it anymore. Like, I sub, like, I notice it, but it doesn't click that it means something bad's happening. So I die and I'm like, what the fuck happened there? My husband's like, well, your shields are broken. You stood there being like, just punched in the face. And I'm like, but, oh yeah, I didn't even, no, it's just become routine that I suck at this game, so I didn't notice anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's it's one of those. It's like it's really helpful until you start just associating it with no, just not. always being there. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually, that's that's a big thing in general is dealing with the ADHD. Especially has an out of sight, out of mind, which mm. means that things like I need the automatic kitty litter box for two reasons. The first is. Cleaning a cat litter box physically hurts a lot. But the other is that what was happening was I would, I'd, I'd have to see it to remember I had to deal with the litter. But almost all the time as I was seeing it when I didn't have the time around, I was in too much pain. So my cat wasn't getting her box cleaned the way she needed it to be. Um, and that wasn't fair to her. And then it wasn't fair that when I was in the place where I was doing it, I was in pain. It would, it would knock me out pain-wise every time afterwards for a while. Um, Food goes bad in the fridge because I forget it's there. And that's a major a thing yeah. in general. If something gets hidden, it's gone. Um, if I buy fresh fruit, it was always a risk because I'd forget about things until they went bad. And now I'll remember it for a while while I can't cook it because I don't have the spoon to work with that thing. And then while, while if I finally one day have the spoons, I'm not going to remember it's there. <laughs> so it's a... Um, Yay, money wasters! I, I recently saw something about, hey, ADHD people, how do you prepay the ADHD tasks? With the idea of mm -hmm. the ADHD tax being the something breaks while it's under warranty and you forget to return it until it's no longer in warranty. The food goes bad in the fridge, or this or that. And so it's things like, you know, buying the pre-peeled, pre-cut stuff so that it's there and you can use it immediately, which is also a dis you know, disability tax in that way. Um, 
you're now you've paid, but you're more likely to use it and not have it just go to waste and then replace it and have it go to waste. Um, and so that's a just interesting thing to that was in on my mind recently, and I'm still thinking about. Uh, but yeah, I think that answers the question. Yep, and that also uh, is our last audience question. Um, and uh, it's about time for us to start wrapping up. So, thank you for for uh, talking to us today. I hope I hope everyone had a a interesting and educational uh, time with us. Um, could I get? Shout outs for um Kami and Paige, please. Um so that you all can go and check them both out. Um Thanks, Golda. Um but yes, um any any last comments? Um, so one thing is the uh, a whole bunch of us from Team Glitchco and friends are doing a, the stream to end MS. All month. Um, I don't know if things can be put in chat or not, but it would be lovely if I could share our team link. Um, we're doing that pretty much all month. Um, Mr. Dude Guy, sir, um, another amazing streamer. I think you're going to have him on this podcast. He's the one who put it together. He also has a mess, and he's been actually one of my big, um, one of those people I reach out to when I need to talk to someone about it. He's amazing. Um, but so uh that's the thing that a lot of us are doing and that's very personal can streaming and ms to me are intrinsically tied so it, it i do a lot of charity streams that mean a lot to me you know again i'm trans i'm queer <laughs> i'm disabled there are so many things that i do charity for that mean so much but somehow this one has hit in a completely new way i think just because of the way they're tied together um so that's one is just uh for anyone who's interested, I guess there's a lot, you know what? There's a lot of information about it on my Twitter, and that's probably the easiest way. Again, Kamianyo1. If you're, oh, and that's the Twitter as a whole, um, rather than our individual ones, but it's a good thing to know about and is very important to many of us. Um, my biggest takeaway in general is just the don't make assumptions based on how people look. Don't assume you know what's going, someone's going through. Don't assume you know what gender they are. You know, listen. Um, if you're an ally, listen and boost voices. Like that's one of my big takeaways in general is uh, talking about being an ally. Ally is an action, not an identity. Um, so talking about the being ace uh, gets really annoying. People are like, ace for ally and LGBT because that's again a whole another conversation. <laughs> but um, with all of these things and all these marginalizations. Um, and one of the big problems, again, I, I talked about financials a bunch because that's one of the things that really has to be on my mind pretty much until I move and until I get a better job. And, um, you know, a lot of us who are marginalized and, you know, we all are in those issues where being disabled is expensive. Being marginalized can make it so much harder to be in a place to get out of fi financial issues. Um, so boosting boosting aid boosting ye yells from us there's a lot going on being trans right now is really hard in america and i know it's also hard in the uk it's hard worldwide 
but we are and our, our youth and especially is where it started but it's already going past that in many th countries um and in all of these things it is exhausting to stand on our own i think is one of the big ones and the more marginalizations you hold sometimes the more exhausting it can be you know intersectionality is a thing um and uh the more things you're dealing with like you know a lot pretty much all of us disabled are dealing with in the pandemic being told we don't matter um i have didn't really talk about that because that's one of those things that to me gets so overwhelming i can't um but so we're dealing with all of those things and then being trans at the same time has all of that issue dealing with anti-semitism on top of that <laughs> dealing with ableism, like all of these things and so um just uh i don't know where i'm going with that <laughs> it's kind of a fine one of those final all of it tied together makes things extra hard and so we need the people to stand with us in all of these cases we need people who are not trans to yell about trans rights and not not just propose that trans rights are human rights but contact people you know protest we need protest many of us you know if we're disabled we have issues going out and doing the protesting we need people to do that for us because like if i go out for something i'm going to need a cane which means that's going to be treated as a weapon and potentially taken away or make me a target and i cannot run i literally cannot run that's the problem so i'm going to have to stay home to do my fighting <laughs> Sorry, let's go be totally quirky, interesting allies. Plus, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. But uh, and and I guess another one is that if you see someone who is marginalized not talking up about a thing, many of us do know about it if it's something that directly affects us and might need that space. So if you see a streamer who's trans not talking about what's going on in the U.S. and with uh. <laughs> um, not talking about what's going on in the U.S. Don't come in demanding that labor, because the likelihood is, you know, they're using the space to get away. There are streamers like me who explicitly make the space, and this is a thing we talk about all the time. I'm a, I'm a discussion space, and then there are people who use the streams as a place to get away from that. And there are people who need that too, and chatters and and watchers and streamers who need to have the places where they can check out of the real world because the real world right now is a lot um so help us out help us with the labor don't demand the labor from us and if we're doing the labor god boost our voices help us be heard yeah and again don't make assumptions <laughs> so yeah i think that summarizes things pretty well all right well um thank you for coming on and talking to us Paige, as always, thank you for for being here, uh, despite the hip spasm. <laughs> so good. And thank you for putting everything together as usual, Drac. Thank you for having me and giving me the space. Um, everyone welcome. in chat, uh, thank you for hanging out. I hope you learned something. Um, our next Through Our Eyes stream will be in two weeks. Um, and the next stream will be on Sunday. 
Um, but yes, I hope you all have a good rest of your evening or day. I hope you all have a good rest of your week. And I will see you all soon. Say bye all. Bye. bye. <laughs>